Hey everybody, thank you so much for checking out our YouTube channel and we're excited to bring you this sermon from our latest series, When Worlds Collide. And this series is all about relationships and it's gonna help you build healthier relationships uh, with your friends, with your family, in your marriage. And if, if you're single, help you with, get the tools to find the right one that God has chosen for you. Uh, if you enjoyed this sermon, we encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And also, if you wanna help us get these sermons out uh, into the community and out into the world, uh, please feel free to donate uh, to Shore Christian Church with the link provided. Thank you so much. God bless you, and I know he will. All right, good morning, Shore Christian Church. I am so, like, bittersweet about ending this series today. Um, this has been one of my favorite series I think I've ever done, um, God has ever done at this church, and um, it has helped my marriage immensely. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. This, uh, this... <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the response I was looking to get. But it's Valentine's Day. I got a card from Diamond, which was very, very sweet. And it said, you have been such a great husband the last couple months. <laughs> so, so it's working. I'm getting something out of it. Say I'm getting something out of it. All right. So this morning, if you will go with me in your Bibles to Genesis, or they're going to put the scriptures on the screen, chapter 2. And the, the whole thread that has run through this entire series has been this principle, and, and if I could just give you a visual of a triangle. Um, this is how you have successful marriages, relationships, families. Is you, you have God at the top of the triangle, and at the bottom, myself and Diamond. And the closer that you get to God, and the closer that your relationship with God is, the closer that you're going to get to each other. And, and that, is, that is so true. And it, it has to be from God first. It has to come vertically so that it could go out horizontally. That, that I can't love others in a healthy way unless I have received the love from my Heavenly Father. I, I, don't, I can't forgive others unless I receive the forgiveness from my Heavenly Father and forgive myself. How can I forgive others if I can't even forgive myself? How can I love others if I can't even love myself? And so the, the commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is, is, is just as important, the Bible says, to love your neighbor as yourself. But in order for you to love your neighbor, you have to get that love from the Father. Uh, so if you'll go with me, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And it says, the, the Lord God spoke, and, and he's speaking to Adam, the, the first man, and and Adam was in the garden. He had everything he could ever want. It was paradise. It was beautiful. Uh, he, he was surrounded by, uh, by animals, and, and, and it was amazing, except one thing. He was alone. And it says, verse 18, it is not good for the man or, or for the woman to be alone. It's not good. You're not healthy when you're alone. You're not able to do what God's called you to do when you're isolated and you're by yourself. And then if you go with me to Matthew chapter 27, I'm going to read a, a portion of the scripture from Jesus' walk to Golgotha. It's the moment was coming for him to be crucified, and they had just sentenced him to death by Pontius Pilate, and they had just beaten his back with the cat of nine tails, and they tore him in the back, and then they flipped him over. And if you ever saw the Passion of the Christ, you could see um, how, how brutal it was, what Christ went through. And then it says, verse 
27, then the governor's soldiers took Jesus and the whole company of soldiers around them, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head, and they put a staff in his right hand, and they began to mock him. They began to make fun of him and say, Hail, King of the Jews, and they spit on him, and, and I mean, getting spit right in the face. There's nothing more disrespectful than that, but yet Jesus, even in those moments, looked them right in the eyes as they're spitting on them, as they're, as they're beating him, and, and said the, the amazing words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And as they were doing that, they were mocking him. They, they tore his robe off, and then they put his own clothes back on him, and then they threw a, a cross on his back and took him away to be crucified down a mile and a half road called the Via della Rosa. And, and on his, his way down that road, he was so weak, he was so broken mentally, physically, that suddenly he began to, to fall, and he began to lean. And then they pulled a man out of the crowd named Simon of Cyrene. And they compelled him to carry the cross with Jesus. And then they came to a place called Golgotha. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord. We thank you for every relationship that you have put in our life, Lord God. Our family, our friends, our spouse, our partners, Lord God. The people that are in our life that we don't have to do this alone, Lord. I pray, Father, that through this message, Lord, and through this series... We could see all of our relationships as you spoke in 1 John chapter 3. I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in good health, that we could see our relationships prosper. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Um, so as I was putting this sermon together, um, I couldn't help but think about uh, something that, that somebody said to me in one of our staff meetings recently. Um, I, I always consider myself to be a manly man. Any manly men out there? None whatsoever. That's okay. That's okay. I'll, I'm going to help you in just a second. Because I, I, I thought that I was like a real manly man because I, I, I love sports and I, you know, I'm competitive and, and I love action movies. And, and I always consider myself like a really manly man. And, and I remember I was in, in a meeting and I was meeting with Nicole and there she is over there. And, and I was telling Nicole because we were talking about kind of like the atmosphere when people come into Shore Christian Church and, and, and what, they, what they observe. And, and, and I was telling Nicole, we got, we got to me at one point. I was like, I feel like, like, like I, I present kind of like a, like a manly picture, like a manly pastor when people walk in. And, and Nicole turns to me, devastated me, and she said, actually, did you know you're probably more like a metrosexual? And I was like, What? And then, I, and then I started to, to wake up a little bit and like, yeah, maybe I am a little metrosexual. But you know what? I'm cool with that. Say, I'm cool with that. I, I got a little metrosexual in me, and that's okay. I'm secure, and, and that's who I am. And, and, and I, but if, if, you're, if you're a man, one thing you always would, would ask, like another man, this would come up in conversation a lot, is uh, uh, you know, like, like, Greg, how much you bench, bro? What's your bench at these days? And that's like a, you know, like, like, like a... Uh, a line where you'd see where you're at, you know. Rick, what's your bench press these days, you know? I don't know. Any, any guys, you know what I'm talking about? You know, you know like, where, where's your bench at? What are you benching? And, and I, I know, like, bench press, um, you always want to max out, you know. What's your one rep max? And, and I remember, it's funny, Greg's here. I went to high school with Greg. Hey, Greg, how you doing? I remember this one time we were with the, the basketball team. Me and Greg were on the basketball team. I wasn't planning on telling the story, but since you're here. Uh, and, and, and so we're, we're, we're kind of in, in, the, in the area where we're getting our uniforms, which is the weight room, and there's this bench there. 
And, and uh, there was, a, I think it was like the girls basketball team or something was in there too. And there's one guy on our team, his name was Shane Herner. I'm just going to throw him right under the bus. And, and Shane thought he would impress the girls. And so Shane, he, he hops on the bench, and I don't even know if he knew how much weight was on there, but, but he tries to get, get one rep up, and, and it, Shane, Shane Dog's struggling. Shane Dog's struggling so much that he starts to tilt the bench, and the weights fall off one side, and then Shane falls off with the weights on the other side, and, and everyone, nobody helped him out, poor Shane. I mean, if he just had someone to spot him, he might have not get embarrassed that bad, but, but it's happened to me. Has that ever happened to you guys, where you, you, you get to that point of no return on the bench, and all of a sudden you're like, this is not going to go well with me. <laughs> Help, is anybody out there? And just recently, this happened to me uh, at uh, one of my workouts. Uh, it was chest day, chest and buys, beach muscles. And so we're, we're doing chest, and, and I'm worn out because we had done cardio, and I'm a little tired, and, and I, didn't, I thought I could do more than I really could do. And so I get on that bench, and uh, I, I start doing some reps. We're supposed to do eight. I get to six, and I thought I had more left than I actually did. And I got like halfway, and then the oh my God started coming. Like, no, this isn't happening. There's like 35 people in this class, and they're all going to watch me just struggle. This is like going to completely take my man card away. And then all of a sudden, as I'm, I'm halfway up, uh, one of the trainers, Sherry, who goes to this church, uh, comes, comes running to me, comes behind me, and this is what she said to me. I love it. She says, I got you. And she, and she helps me up, and I'm able to, to finish my workout. And so the sermon that I want to preach to you this morning is lean on me. I got you. Turn to the person next to you and say, lean on me. I got you. And then turn to the person that you neglected to talk to and say, it's all good. Lean on me. I got you. And, and to, to help open up this sermon, uh, Diamond and I uh, did a video uh, right next door to our house where there's this barn that helped inspire some of this sermon. So if you guys could run that video now. That, that, that barn is a great picture of where a lot of us are, where we have been beaten down by, by life and, and just the surrounding weather around us, and, and we're, we're leaning, and we're, we're on the verge of, of collapsing, and a lot of us are in that same place where we're, we're leaning more towards who we used to be. And we're leaning towards bitterness. We're leaning towards unforgiveness. We're leaning towards just kind of throwing our hands up and saying, uh, this isn't going anywhere. I'm not seeing the progress that I expected at this point in my life, at this point in my marriage, at this point in my relationships. And, and you're starting to lean. But those are the moments where it is so important to understand that we need to be able to lean on each other, that it is never meant for us to live this life alone. There's this great scripture in Ecclesiastes that says, two are better than one, for if one falls, the other can lift them up. But woe to anyone who falls and has no one to pick them up. And a three-strand cord is not easily broken. There is so much power in just encouraging each other, in just building up one another. There's so much in just one thing, one word, just one seed can plant a forest. One smile can build a friendship. One candle can completely quench darkness. And one word of encouragement can completely transform someone's life, someone's day, and the struggle that they're going through. I remember in, in my life, when I was 23 years old, I had preached my, my first sermon. Um, it, was, it was a horrible sermon. 
I hope this one goes better than that one because I, I had studied so hard and I was so excited to preach my first sermon and my father had asked me to speak and, and I, I wrote my message and then when I got up there to speak, I, I saw the lights, I saw the people and, and, and I froze. I, I completely butchered this sermon. I didn't know if it made any sense. I, don't, I just hope it pointed people to Jesus, I guess. And, and I remember afterwards, I was so discouraged. Anyone of you put yourself out on the line and you fail and you just feel like, I'll never do that again. I'm never gonna put myself out there again. I'm never gonna take a risk, a chance ever again. And that's kind of where I was at. And, and I was at a point where I, I didn't really want that anymore. I'd rather be just kind of behind the scenes. And I remember um, my, my friend, Rick Hankins, Rick, if you just raise your hand, uh, he took me out to lunch that week, took me out to the Princess Maria Diner in Wall Township, Route 35. I don't think I've been there since, but uh, I, I was there with Rick, and Rick, Rick just poured into me said, man, that was the best sermon. And I know you were blown, maybe a little bit of smoke, but you know what? Sometimes we need some smoke to create a fire, you know? And so, and so Rick, Rick's just building me up and, and he said, you know what? You, you got so much room for improvement. And I said, hey, that, that's, that's true, that is true. And, and he said, you know, there's something in you, you you don't even see yet. And that was the thing that got me. And he began to, to build this fire and he began to dig these giftings inside of me that I didn't even know that I had. But if I didn't have a friend that would prop me up when I was getting ready to fall, I would not be where I am today. The reason that God is using me and using me to help this church is because of the people around me that when I was getting ready to fall, they were able to lift me up and not push me down. Get the filter off your encouragement. I mean, you have no idea when you think about somebody, something good, man, you know, Ryan, man, Great golf swing. I'm kidding, but it's, it's good. <laughs> just encouragement. I'm just preaching encouragement to you, Ryan. But, but on a serious note, when, when you're thinking something good about somebody, text them. One of the, the loneliest places in the world are the places that are all of our good thoughts and intentions but never acted on went and died. When you're thinking about somebody, text them. When you're thinking about someone, call them, encourage them, build into them. We is always greater than me. We are always better together because God meant us to live in community together. God has put people in your life that will help lead you to your destiny and lead you to your full potential. There was this story in the Bible by this, uh, my favorite character, David. David in the Bible, he was a mighty man. He was a manly man, uh, unlike me. He was not a metrosexual. And, and he, was, he was like a rough dude. And he killed Goliath. He was anointed to be king of all of Israel. And there were people right in songs about him in Israel. He was bigger than, than Bieber and Gaga on steroids. He was it. And then all of a sudden, in one moment, he went from the penthouse, the palace, in, into being homeless in the soup kitchen line, living in caves and living off berries. In one moment, Saul, the king, turned on him, and now he didn't even know if his dream was ever going to come to pass. He had no idea if God was going to be faithful unto what he promised him when he was a 16-year-old boy. And he was getting ready to give up. He was leaning. He was about getting ready to fall just like that barn. But then he had a friend. I'm so thankful for good friends in my life. He had a friend named Jonathan. And Jonathan, in that moment when his boy David was about to fall, Jonathan propped him up. And Jonathan went to him in the caves of Abdullah and said, you know what, David? I know you don't look like a king, but you are a king. 
I know it doesn't look like God's faithful, but God is faithful. God is with you right now in the cave just as much as he was with you in the palace. If you just keep going, I know that God is going to raise you up and you will be king of Israel. And because of that, David was able to keep on going. And without David, he would have never fulfilled what God had called him to fulfill. That is the kind of church that I want to be able to have. That is the kind of community that I want to be able to be a part of. A community that doesn't just love you and leave you but loves you and leads you. Oh, that was so good. I got to say it twice. I want to be a church that doesn't just love you and leave you, but we love you and we lead you. I want to be a, a husband like that. I want to be a father like that. I want to be a friend like that. And not, a, not a friend, not a pastor that, that enables you, but a pastor that empowers you to be, be all that God has created you to be. Be a friend, not of entitlement, but a friend of empowerment. And that's what this church is going to be. And I, I, it's funny, I, I was talking with someone uh, uh, in between services, and they reminded me, and we were, we were talking uh, about, it was about a year ago, um, uh, it came to my attention in a staff meeting uh, that they had like a, a, a meeting in, in the community or, or somewhere, and uh, it, it was meant to be a negative, but I took it as one of the best positives anyone could ever say about our church. And someone brought up that, you know, the new church, and, and there were a lot of different people coming to the church, and, and they, they, they said that the reason that that church is growing is because they'll take anybody. And that, that came back to me. I said, that is the greatest compliment anyone could ever give us, is that, is that we're a church that will take anybody. I thought that would be a great t-shirt, wouldn't it, Ryan? Shore Christian Church on the back, we'll take anybody, you know, with a mirror on it. Even you. And <laughs> that's, that would be some good marketing right there. Because that's the church that Jesus wants to build. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, Come all unto me who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. I want to be a pastor that is able to preach and reach anyone and everyone that is willing to walk through those doors. And you need to be someone who is able to help and reach someone, not just because they look like you, talk like you, but because they have a heart after Christ. That is what unites us all. Do I hear an amen? Lean on, I got you. We are all at some point going to lean. And I think it's so funny, and, and, and just my marriage, sometimes I'm leaning, and Diamond will prop me up, and the next day she's leaning, and I'll prop her up, because it's a partnership. We're in this together. It's, it's not good if just one succeeds, but we succeed together. We build together. We love together. We're in this together. We're not adversaries we're allies and I thought of uh, this great picture of a good healthy relationship is in one of my favorite movies Forrest Gump you've never seen Forrest Gump before love Forrest Gump Forrest had had his his best friend his name was what Bubba and, and, and Forrest and Bubba, uh, they were in Vietnam together, and there was this rainstorm that was coming down on them, and, and it didn't stop for months. And then there's this great picture of Forrest and Bubba, and it's pouring rain, and, and Bubba turns to Forrest. I, I love it. He says, he says, hey, Forrest, yeah, Bubba, you just lean back on me, and I'll lean back on you. This way, we don't have to sleep with our heads in the mud. And, and I'm like, that's it. That's a perfect picture 
of what healthy relationships look like. You lean on me and I'll lean back at you because God does not want us to have to sleep with our heads in the mud. But the thing is, is if you isolate yourself and you think that it's just you and Jesus and I could do this on my own, then you know what? You're gonna be sleeping with your head in the mud because God never meant for us to walk this walk alone. We lift together. I need a spotter just like I need someone spiritually to help me lift so that I could do more and be more. And yeah, if one person claps, everybody should clap. It's just good manners. And and I I thought about how it's so important for us to have good friends. Good friends that lift us up. They don't push us down. Because we have some battles to fight. There there is a, a, a battlefield in our mind that is raging every single day. I don't know if you realize this or not. But I have found out that the battles within me are much more intense than the battles around me. Do I hear an amen? And, and, and if I just isolate and I just keep everything inside, then I am going to implode. But it is through my partnerships. It is through the people that, that are propping me up that are going to allow me to succeed. Uh, there was this, probably the greatest battle of our era, um, that World War II. And during World War II... It looked like the, the Nazi Germany regime was going to completely take over the entire world. And they were in a big battle with, with England. And in England, there was no real leader at this time until this one man, uh, his name was Sir Winston Churchill. It wasn't a sir yet. And Winston Churchill uh, was this man that had this incredible gift to just enthusiastically encourage an entire nation when he would get on the microphone. And, and he had this ability uh, to just bring the best out of people. He had this ability to be able to prop people up when they were leaning and getting ready to fall. He had this incredible ability, but he had a problem too. If you ever saw the, the movie, The Darkest Hour, which I recommend, great movie. Winston Churchill, this incredible uh, leader, but he had a leaning problem. He, he was a little crazy. Uh, he had a little bit of a drinking problem, and, and he, he just had no filter. He would just, just spout off at people, and he was creating enemies in the English parliament, left and right, because he, he didn't know how to be politically correct. And there was just, just one example. He was at a, a gala, a real fancy dinner, uh, and it was all the, the royalty of England were there, and there's Winston Churchill, and, and he was acting a little belligerent in this particular night. He was a little lit up. He was a little intoxicated. And he was sitting at this table with this woman. Uh, her name was Lady Braddock. And Lady Braddock was just disgusted by Winston Churchill. And Lady Braddock uh, looked at him and said, Mr. Churchill, I perceive that you are drunk. And then Winston looked back at her, probably with like a glass of scotch in his hand or something, and says, huh, and I perceive that you are ugly. And in the morning, I'm going to be sober. But in the morning, you're still going to be ugly. And he just walked off. You know? and, and she was like a powerful woman. And, and she was offended. And all of a sudden, she was telling other people, you're not going to believe what Winston said to me. And then a couple weeks later, uh, they were at another function. And, and Lady Braddock was going to confront Winston Churchill. And she was going to tell him what, what she thought. And, and she walked up to Winston a couple weeks later and says to him, Winston, you are despicable. If you were my husband, I would poison you to death. Then Winston, without batting an eyelash, says, if I was your husband, I would drink it. And he walked off. <laughs> and and the, the, this was the kind of, like, he didn't know how to do the politics. 
but he had such a gift. He had such a calling to be able to get on a microphone and able to inspire an entire nation and, and say, we'll fight them on the beaches. We'll fight them from house to house. We'll fight them in the streets and we'll never, never give up. And because of him, that nation was able to rise up. But if it wasn't for this one man who would prop up Winston, you read about it in his book, General Hastings Ismay. And Winston didn't know this, but, but Hastings, he, he would kind of go behind Winston's back and like send flowers to people and sign Winston's name. He, he would write thank you cards. And, and he, he was like a buffer for, for Sir Winston because he knew that he had to prop him up on his leaning side in order to see victory come in this battle. And the same is true for every single one of us because there are battles that we cannot face alone. Never meant to. I want to show you this, this beautiful picture that we see in the book of Exodus as they're getting ready to fight this, this battle. And it's between the Israelites and the Amalekites. And it's this battle that's raging. And Moses is instructed to lift up his hands as they're fighting. And, as, and I think that you may think this is weird, but this is a symbol of how we fight our battles how we fight in the battlefield of our minds, how we fight in the battlefield of our homes, the battlefield of our workplaces. And, and Moses is, is instructed to hold his hands up, but you can only hold your hands up by yourself for so long. You can only do it on your own for so long. You can only keep it inside of you for so long. And it doesn't matter how strong you are, you could be the strongest person in the room, but if I tell you to hold your hands up, eventually they're going to come down because you're never meant to hold your hands up on your own for so long. And this is what they did. They took Moses because he was starting to lower his hands, and when his hands would get lower, then suddenly the Israelites would be overtaken by the Amalekites. And they took Moses, and they, they took him, and they had him sit on a rock. And I, I believe the foundation where it all starts is what are you sitting on? What is on the throne of your life? Are you sitting on the rock of God's word that endures forever? Is that your foundation? Is that what you're resting on? Are you resting on what other people say about you? God has to be the foundation that we rest on, that we sit on. He is the rock of everlasting. And they took Moses and they sat him on a rock. And then, then they had these two people come. They had, they had Aaron. Rick, you're going to be Aaron. What's up, Aaron? And then, and then Mom, you're going to be her. But her, her is not a her. Her is a him, but his name is just her, H-U-R. I bet you didn't know that, did you? You did know that? You're smart. You're an elder. <laughs> and, and so th th this is what happened. As Moses' hands were up, they started to come down. And, and what did they do? They propped him back up because that's where victory comes from. Victory comes from who's propping you up. Victory comes from can you keep your hands up in worship even when you're losing, even when you're struggling? Can you be able to thank God even though you don't see a victory on the outside? Can you be able to praise God and thank God even though your home is looking like a wreck and you're not seeing the progress that you anticipated? Because if you can't keep your hands up in praise and admiration and thanksgiving towards God, then you will lose the battle. And sometimes we need to be able to encourage other people, keep praising him, keep being thankful, keep reading God's word, keep coming to church. I'm gonna prop you up even when you got a bad attitude and you're getting tired and you're struggling in your marriages this is a marriage right here 
This is a marriage made in heaven. When I start to lower my hands, I got a wife that's saying, God is a good God. God is still with you. Just the other day, thank you guys so much. Let's hear Pastor Rhonda and Rick. Just, just the other day, Thursday, I, I had a, our, our life group at 7 o'clock. And at 7.45, I get a text message, and it's one of those text messages. And I'll, I'll be mildly transparent. Maybe one day I'll, I'll share more of this with you. Uh, but it was a situation where somebody that I looked up to, I, I considered a, a, a mentor, um, and, and I got a message that they had uh, not been 100% truthful to me. And they had misled me and uh, not been transparent with me about something that was going on. And I felt so betrayed and so hurt and so angry. And, and sometimes you get those text messages, your mind isn't always there, right? All of a sudden, you're in the room, but you're not in the room. Anyone relate to, to that? You, you just People are talking, but I'm not listening because I'm in my own head. I'm thinking about what just happened. And, and right at that moment, I, I'm, I got my life group that's about to start where I'm supposed to lead it and talk about getting over offenses and unforgiveness. And let me tell you, that life group straightened me out real quick. Every person in that life group, they just began to prop me up as I was getting ready to fall over. They encouraged me. They built me up. And that's the pastor. If I need it, you need it. Every one of you needs to be in a life group that meets during the week, that gets around some people when your arms start to get a little tired, that will lift you up and encourage you and point you back to Jesus. And then after the life group, I shared Diamond exactly what happened. And man, she just built me up like it was nobody's business. She was, you, you are the best pastor in the world. You are the best. I mean, just, just one superlative after another. And you know what? I think it was true. I'm going to believe that it was true. But it totally changed my whole perspective on what I was facing in my life, on what that text message said. Because I realized the people that are propping me up, I care a lot more about what they say about me than what those other people that are texting me say about me. It's the people who are propping me up that get my ear more than anybody else. Do I hear an amen? But if you have the wrong people then suddenly they're going to confirm all those doubts that you're having in your head. You need to be able to say, lean on. I got you. It's okay to be weak. It's okay to struggle. Because we have a God that will love us and lead us out of our valleys. I'm almost through, but I want to tell this last story of, of Simon Peter because I believe it has powerful context for what our Savior does for us, because kind of the first point in this sermon is we need to be able to lean on each other. Second point is we need to be able to lean on our Savior. And Simon Peter, in the Bible, he looks to Jesus as they're about to receive communion at the Last Supper, and he says to Jesus, I'll never betray you. I'll never, ever deny you. And Jesus looks right at Peter and says, Satan has asked for you. Do you know that Satan has asked for every single one of you? He's asked for your marriages. He's asked for your relationships. He's asked to, to destroy all the joy that is inside of your heart. And how does he do it? Next words, to sift you like wheat. Sift means to separate, to isolate you. And then Jesus says, but I have prayed that your faith will not fail you. And when you return, go and strengthen your brothers. And Peter didn't think anything of it. And then a few hours later, at Christ's moment of need, 
as he's on trial, people confront Peter. Are you with Jesus? Are you one of those? Are you one of those Jesus-following people? You're one of those church people? Are you one of those people that raise their hands and worship? Are you one of those people that read your Bible and pray? And he said, no, 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 that's not me, no. And he denied him. The Bible says to his face. I believe Jesus was in, in eyes distance of Peter as he's denying him. And in that moment, Peter is completely broken. And he runs away in isolation, kind of fulfilling what, what Christ said would happen to him. And then three days later, the amazing happens. Christ is resurrected. And as Christ is resurrected, he knows that Peter's hurting. See, Jesus knows that you're hurting. He knows that you're struggling. He knows what you have to do this week. Some of you, you, you have surgery this week. You're, you're going through chemo. You're going through um, a difficulty in your marriage and people are starting to use the D word in it. God knows what you're going through. He knew what Peter was going through, and this is what he said. He turned to, to Mary and Martha after he was resurrected in the garden, and he says to him, go gather the disciples, and Peter calls him out by name. I love that, because I believe that is exactly what our Savior does for us when we're leaning, and we feel like we can't go on any further. He calls us by name and says, Peter, Mike, Joe, Jennifer, I am going to restore you. He knows your name. He cares about you that much. We have a Savior who knows what you're going through, knows what it's like to be leaning. Do you know that when Jesus was carrying the cross, and I read you this text in the beginning of the sermon, this is going to be my cross, just pretend. And Jesus, they took him and they, they beat him. They, they spit on him. They ripped his beard out. He was fully God, but he was also fully man. He felt everything that was happening to him. I mean, not just physically, but, but mentally, emotionally, carrying the weight of the world, sins, guilt, shame on your back, in your mind. Think about what that man was going through in that moment. And they, they took him and they put the crown of thorns on his head and then they put a a cross on his back. People say that the cross weighed about between 80 and 100 pounds. And Jesus is, is told, you gotta, you gotta finish this. You gotta walk up to the cross a mile and a half up the Via Della Rosa. I, I mean, you try walking a mile and a half just how you are now. Some of you wouldn't even make it then. Jesus beaten, spit on, got thorns on his head, got a 100 pound cross on his back. Physically, he couldn't do it. Like physically, his body would not let him go that mile and a half up the road to die for our sins, to be able to finish what he started. And the Bible says in that moment, he began to lean. In that moment, he started to fall. And you know what? Part of me, I'm glad that he did. Because that lets me know, Carol, that I don't have to be strong 100% of the time. But every time I start to fall under the burden of what I'm carrying, God will always send somebody alongside me to help me and lift me and carry my cross and my burden with me to where I got to go. And that's why this church is here. And that's why our pastors are here. And that's why our life groups are here. So that if you have fallen or you are leaning under the weight of your burden, you don't have to carry it alone. And Jesus fell under the weight of his own cross. And let me just say to anyone that 
that is going through a tragedy or anyone that knows somebody who's going through a tragedy, one of the worst things that you could say to that person is, man, you're so strong. Anyone ever heard someone say that? Just lost their, their son or, or their father or their brother or someone. Wow, you are so strong. The worst thing you could ever tell somebody when they're going through a tragedy. Why is that, Pastor? Because then they start to think that they have to be strong 100% of the time. And then when they're weak, they feel guilty about being weak. They feel guilty about falling and struggling when the fact is that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness, that we're never meant to be strong 100% of the time. Don't ever feel guilty for having doubts or having weaknesses or having struggles in your life. For where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Where doubts abound, faith abounds much more. And even in your doubts, God is not intimidated by your thoughts because when you start to lean he'll send somebody to prop you up and as Jesus started to fall he sent this man Simon a siree pulled him out of the crowd didn't even expect to be there didn't expect to be carrying Jesus cross some of you you didn't expect to to be where you're at today to be carrying the burdens that you are but let me tell you, there's a difference between carrying a burden and carrying a burden for Christ. Because when you carry a burden for Christ, when you make it to where he's leading you, you're going to have a testimony that is going to set people free that are going through the same journey that you went through. So I'm, I'm carrying my burden for Christ. And, and as, as he gets there, he finally makes it to his destination. And this last scripture, this is for somebody. I don't know who it's for. But it's Jude chapter 1, verse 24. This is who our Savior is. This is who he wants to be in your life today and every day. Every morning you should wake up and have this scripture on your mind. And unto him who is able to keep me from falling. He'll keep you from falling. You may lean, but you won't fall. You may struggle, but you're not going to collapse because he is able to keep you from falling. He is able, Ephesians 2 verse 20 says, to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all you could ask or imagine. Some of you, you can't even imagine how God is going to carry you through your Via Della Rosa, but he will. And then I love the next scripture, and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy unto him who is able to keep me from falling you may lean but you're not gonna fall I want you I want everyone to speak that with me right now I may lean but I will not fall I may have my doubts but I won't lose my faith. I may have some weaknesses, but grace is stronger. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Now give the Lord some praise. Clap your hands and thank him for being a God that will always keep me from falling. I wanna pray for, pray for you right now. Thank you, God. God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Father, that you can empathize with what we're going through. Because you were tempted just like us. 
You know what it's like to feel weak. You know what it's like to lean. And I have a savior, I have a God who is not too high and mighty, but he is so full of love that he's willing to get down in the mud and the mire with me. God, I pray for anyone in here this morning and you're leaning, you're leaning. You're leaning towards giving up. You're leaning towards allowing the battlefield of your mind to destroy what is happening around you. I, I, I believe there's some people in here that are fighting some battles within them. If that's you, if you're fighting a battle inside of you right now, just, just put your hand over your heart right now. God, you know what they're going through. Every hand that is on a heart right now, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will be who you say you are, that you will prop them up as they are leaning right now, Father God. I pray that whatever is going on in their minds, I pray that there will be something that comes in their heart this morning that will overtake that battlefield of the mind, Lord God, that they won't ever let their hands fall, but they will get around the right people to be able to prop them up in their praise, prop them up in this fight that they're going through, Lord God. I pray for us as a church in the name of Jesus that we will never be a church that loves people and leaves them, but we will always be a church that loves people and leads them. As Galatians 6 says, to share each other's burdens, that we could look our brother, our sister in the eye and say, lean on, I got this. I got this. I'm with you. You're not alone. I thank you for that, that I'm not alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.